Hello and welcome back to Tachikawa. My name is Matthew Boynton and I'm joined as always by Daniel Bellamy. Hey! And we're also joined this week by returning guest and in fact now number one leader on the all-time Sakamichi appearances uh, charts. It's Mac from Campi Planet. How are you doing, Mac? I'm fantastic and even better for knowing this statistic that uh, I had no idea about before I turned up. You're number one. How does it feel? I feel... Describe, walk us through these feelings for yourself. So, first of all, I feel like... Disappointment. Humiliation. Shame. (laughs) There's many... It's like the uh, Kubler-Ross change curve. But, uh, yeah, in many ways far superior. I felt like number two. Right. Before you uttered those words. Mm. And now I feel like number one. That's, uh, it's great to be on top of the world, isn't it? I mean, first of all, I'd like to thank my choreographer, yep. my stylist, mm. yep. mm-hmm. uh, Matt and Dan for empowering this movement. Yeah, I'm the choreographer, Dan's the stylist, that's yeah. right. And uh, many other people who have led to my ability to be here tonight. So thank you everybody uh, for making this possible for yeah. Mac. 7.9 billion people apparently. Mm. Um, on Earth's cars. Right yeah. yeah, and they're all great for doing that i appreciate it in every way in case anybody the the very few people who may not know who you are um you run a very successful youtube channel called kampai planet yeah um diving deep into the world of japanese drinks and absolutely talking a lot about japanese whiskies shochus things like that but my question is when are you going to drink some nice drinks I like that, and uh, I like the sort of double-handed way you delivered that, almost as if before moving to this country you were British yeah. <laughs> in some way. Um, and it's a fair question. And again, Good, when, 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 when I turn up to Tachikawa, far removed from the rich part of West Tokyo where I live, mm-hmm. then yeah. I like to be honest. I feel that the, the removal from the pretense... Yeah, you're down with the people here. Yeah. This is the real Tokyo. So, I, I want to talk real talk. Okay. So, you are absolutely right to question me on my choices of content. Yes. When I first founded Campi Planet, I actually didn't intend for it to be as boxed into this uh, quite hyper-technical whiskey review channel that it has sort of evolved into currently. I had much grander and more importantly, broader ideas for it. But, you know, like any good YouTuber, any good teenage YouTuber like I am, you know, success breeds success and you sort of chase that in a way. So I'm kind of, I'm sort of quite embarrassed by that. And it is an absolute travesty that I have neglected the beer scene and indeed the craft beer scene in Japan in the way that I have. And I can you know, announce this here, first of all, to this, you know, strangely shaped microphone that we're talking into in Tashikawa. I will be fixing that very soon. This audience of dozens. Really? So you'll be getting getting some beer content onto your channel soon? Yeah. uh, You've heard it here first. It's going to be there. But what I will say is the first beer I'm going to tackle, it's not going to be the sort of quality of beer that you guys serve here. Haven't we discussed this before? It's Asahi Super Dry, isn't it? It is Asahi Super Dry, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm going to be delivering, uh, first of all, a history of how that became Japan's biggest beer. 
and then a review of the old versus new Asahi Super Dry. Right. And then compare it with non-alcoholic. No. Whatever, Asahi, whatever it's called. No. Well, I mean... Super Nye. <laughs> Super Nye, yeah. I'm not going to be doing that. Um, Ever. It's an interesting point you raise in general about non-alcoholic drinks, I think. And I have very strong views on that. But, hmm, actually, you know, maybe I, maybe I should. Throw it in there. Put it in for the, uh, the Patreon, 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 the supporters. Mm. You know, the extra content. Watch me drink this absolute swill. The Patrician supporters will enjoy that one. The, the partisan. Yeah. The, yeah. Do you have some kind of some, like upper echelon of subscribers that get like you know you do the same video but topless or something like that? Do you have that kind of extra your, your content? Tier three subscribers. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, I know that's how it works with podcasts, where there's a version of this that goes out with you guys topless. Yeah, it's I this mean, it's, version. It's, it's, <laughs> You're listening to that version right it's now. It's everyone that doesn't have guests. And I'm witnessing this version. <laughs> and, and, and it is uh, my eyes, my eyes, it burns, it burns. But it's hard to focus, I know. Yeah, um, I actually released uh, one of my reviews with an extended version for people who uh, supported me mm. via my Buy Me A Coffee dot com slash campfire planet um you know a lot of people who do patreon related things you know one of the uh services they offer is early release you know Mm. you can you can watch my review of this drink that has existed for many years two days before other people and for me that always has just seemed like a useless benefit right because Mm. i may actually not be able to watch that for you know Two days or a week after but it's, it's nice released to know anyway. It's nice to know that you have that access. That you are yeah. better yeah. than other people. Yeah. So th- that flex is important to some people. But when I was thinking about what benefits to potentially offer my, you know, tier of people who supported the channel, mm. I thought perhaps that an extended version of a video might be a genuine value add. Mm. So that's something I'm working on kind of consistently delivering. Right. To what once I finally launch that patrician or whatever we're going to call it, mm. you know, supporters of the channel, that's something I really want to offer. It's an interesting thing to think about. I always wonder about that stuff because it, this is this is probably just me. But if there was a content creator that I enjoyed their stuff and to the point where I wanted to support them in making more stuff, I don't think I there's not there's not content out there where I would be like, yeah, make things only for people who pay for it. I'd be like, and I guess this is, maybe this is not everybody. But for me, I'd be like, I like this person making this thing. It entertains me. It provides me value. I would like to pay them some small amount of money to help support them continue doing this. Uh, Without it, you know, I don't feel like I would need anything in return for that. But people do, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what this world is like. I mean, Dan, you're absolutely right in a sense, I guess. If people want to support, they're going to support, Mm. right? Uh, But for some people, you want to incentivize them, you know, and and I genuinely, you know, in terms of the content I provide anyway for free, I want to deliver value. And then if I'm going to be asking for some support, I want to deliver value above that. Right, okay. um, But my experience is that there is a, a group of people who really appreciate, you know, what you do. I mean, you guys must experience that in a different way from you know doing what mm. you do and they're going to come here and they're going to want to you know buy an extra can from your fridge 
you know what I mean? Not so much because they want a beer, but more because they actually just want to support what you guys do. So sometimes it's enough for people to just know that their support is acknowledged. Um, One of my favorite YouTubers at the moment runs a channel called Studson Studio. Okay. Which uh, basically he makes, he crafts things out of trash. Like uh, here's um, the the castle from Castle in the Sky by Studio Ghibli. Or here is, I think recently he kitbashed um, Shrek destroying a cyberpunk 2049 toilet. Okay. Which was amazing. Wow. Uh, But he makes it all out of just stuff he finds in the bin. He's very amusing youtuber and especially because i have young kids who are also kind of into crafting it's their videos that we can watch and enjoy together but then at the end of his videos he will play like some beauty shots of the thing that he has created the the shrek destroying the toilet or whatever and then he will sing the names of his patreon supporters Mm. over the beauty shots that's kind of cool and it's just a really fun way for him to acknowledge all the people that have been supporting him um, who are some of your favorite YouTubers, Mac? And what it is about Jordan Peterson that really, you know, moves you? You know, one of the things I enjoy, I appear on many podcasts. Yeah, of course. And uh, one of the things I enjoy about this one is you never quite know how any question will end. I guess uh, it's funny because today, you know, YouTube have various Twitter feeds, you know, YouTube creators and Team YouTube and, and whatever nonsense. And they always try to pretend that they're down with the kids, despite being a multi-trillion dollar corporation. (laughs) And today was, which UK creators inspire you? (laughs) And that was something I bizarrely responded to, because there are many UK creators who have inspired me. So I actually responded to that tweet, uh, shouting out Vin PF from No Nonsense Whiskey. A whiskey review channel that's been around for six years, and Roy Duff from Aquavitae, uh, who is an absolute legend mm. of uh, content creation. So, Do they people make like content? that, yeah, they make, they actually make spirits related content, okay. um, and they inspire me every day. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. And and you are somebody who is very much down with the kids as well. So my next question is, um, which member of Trash Taste was the most difficult to work with? Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) that's... uh, uh, For people who we've suddenly transitioned, uh, Matt is referring to the fact that uh, I and my colleague, Chef Koichi Kawaguchi, appeared on a podcast called Trash Taste and they have a series of specials Mm. where the hosts of Trash Taste compete regularly and we appeared on their cooking special. It was a YouTube video though as well as a podcast, right? Well, yeah. So I watched at least three minutes of that video. (laughs) Thank you. It was 75 minutes long. Yeah. And you were there. Brilliant. (laughs) Thank you very much for your uh, continuous support. I have to say, Mac, you were excellent in that video. In the three minutes you watched? Yes. You were not the reason that I stopped watching that video. I appreciate that in a the backhanded way that it may have been intended. But um, they were all a dream to work with, is why you're telling us. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's it's difficult to say. I mean, they're all actually really lovely people. I think one of the things about YouTube, which is fantastic, is even though you get propelled uh, to a certain level. You, you know, it's not like being a movie celebrity. You know, I've interacted with some of these. Some, you know. 
Uh, I know some listeners and you guys know that I have a travel company as well that's dealt with various high-level celebrities mm. as well. Mansion Planet, yes. And some of them, uh, the majority of them are insanely lovely people, but some of them actually do have higher demands than mm. perhaps you would expect from most people. Yeah, that's where I, you put it. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Very diplomatic. I think the amount of beer I've drunk here today has made me very diplomatic. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, which is probably the opposite of that's what you were hoping for yes, yeah. tonight. Yeah, it makes everybody love, spread the love. Mind our manners. But I think with uh, the YouTubers that I met, people have, who have found fame through uh, just being very great at creating content that many people love, they're lovely people. They really are. Mm. And I had the pleasure to work recently with the world's biggest YouTuber, PewDiePie. And, you know, he's a fantastic individual, at least in my interaction. And he recently moved to Japan? Was yes, he did. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he recently moved here from Sweden. Hmm. What was the nature of your interaction? We filmed a video together. I can't, at this point, talk about which channel it was for. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he was uh, a guest and uh, myself and a colleague were hosting him. And it was really fun. Great. Exciting. Look forward to that one. Dan, how was your week? Great. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. I went for a bike ride yesterday. A bike ride? Where did you go? I know. I mean, you know, we've been talking about all these like thrilling celebrities and YouTubers and everything. Anyway, I rode my bike around. So uh, my life is also pretty sweet. Very exciting. Did you go anywhere fun on your bicycle? Uh, I did, yeah. I took a big bike ride. We went up a hill and we came down the hill. We ended up in Chigasaki. Mm. Uh, You know where Chigasaki is? Down by the beach. Um, Beautiful. There's a place in Chigasaki called Golden Bub. Gold apostrophe mm, bub. Mm. You know Golden Bub? It's gold and bub. I guess so. Yeah. You know, I didn't try to read too much into it. Do you know Golden Bub? I do. Beautiful. I mean, I love that area, right? Right, Chigasaki is absolutely gorgeous. There's two golden bubs, I believe. There's one in Chigasaki and there's one in uh, Fujisawa, I think. There's original golden bub and then there's Mike's original golden bub. Golden bub two. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So golden bub is the front for Barbaric Works, uh, which is a craft brewery based down there. And the uh, the brewery is actually in the the golden bub restaurant in uh, Chigasaki down there. They make great beer, man. Uh, it's really good. So we went down there and we sampled a fair bit of their menu and they were kind enough to show us around the brewery after they were done brewing for the day and uh, let us sample some stuff out of uh, their, they're aging some stuff in wine barrels right now. So they let us have some samples of a few things. Uh, really nice people, great beer. And uh, the food was really good as well. It was a great stop. I haven't been there before. I've been meaning to go down there for ages. I have had some of the beer at Idrisil before, which is down in the same area. Wine barrels is really interesting. What style of beer were they putting in the wine barrels? Uh, it was a kettle sour. It was a fruited kettle sour with, uh, man, you know, I'd already had a few beers. It was cherry cherry and something. I can't remember the other fruit. It was two fruits, uh, kettle sour. And the thing we noticed about it, well, number one, I think it was uh, 7.5 or 8% maybe. It was pretty strong. And yeah. it, it was just so incredibly smooth. Um, but also, it uh, like you could taste everything that was in it. You could taste the barrel. You could taste the fruits that were in it. You taste a little bit of heat from the alcohol, but everything was really nicely balanced. It was almost, uh, you know, kind of like a, like a chorus or a symphony in that 
everything was there. And if you paid attention to each individual thing, you could pick it out. But uh, it blended together so nicely. And they were making really good stuff down there. This makes me super happy. One of the things I talk about often in my whisker reviews is, you know, I use the word integrated. Mm. And it sounds like this was like super, you know, integrated yeah. as opposed to things being unbalanced or one particular note standing out and overpowering everything else. And I don't, I don't think that's always a bad thing though, right? Sometimes you do want like a very strident taste. Yeah, right? a dominant you do note, want something right? overriding yeah. things, uh, but not always. Sometimes you want everything working in concert and, and kind of blending into each other. And that's what that, at least that wine barrel aged beer was. But Fantastic. yeah, I mean, we had a pale ale, we had a session IPA, uh, we had a, an Ume Saison that they had in bottles, which was great. Um, I had a Belgian wit. You said the food was pretty good as well. What did you eat there? They had a, they had a Pakchi burger, mm. which had a bunch of Pakchi on Ooh. it. And apparently this is a special thing. That's, it's only on when uh, Kota was the guy cooking, was his name. I found out because I wanted to thank him for the sandwich. I've had a pretty good run of eating sandwiches recently. Uh, he, uh, when cooking in the patty, he poured a shot of mezcal and chucked it in the pan and burned off the alcohol. Uh, this thing was incredible, like really incredible. Strong flavors, but man, so tasty. You spend a long day in the saddle. That's what you want. Yeah, buddy. You want big flavors. Right so if now. you're going down there, uh, call ahead and make sure Kota's in there. Because apparently when the uh, the guy who is the, the head of the kitchen is there, they do maybe, I don't know if it's a regular burger or he has a different burger he makes. Uh, I'm not really sure on the Mezcal. Details. I'm all about the mezcal, man. Yeah. In terms of, for example, some of my whiskey tasting, I'm on a massive like mezcal cask finish kick at the moment. Oh, wow. So okay. It's nice. not a, I'm like hunting down, you know. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. If you put it in a mezcal cask for like the last 14 months, right. 12 months, 8 months, I want to be trying yeah, that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Kota, if you're listening. Kota. I know, Kota, I know you're listening, Kota. Um, try that uh, mezcal barrel finished whiskey yeah. next time. Throw a shot of that into your, your pan. When you're, 100%. You're that burger it was great. I mean, you know, you have the beach down there. So, like, people are down in that area. If you're in that area, Chigasaki and Fujisawa both have Golden Bub, like... The food's great. The beer's great. I, I can't recommend it enough, honestly. I also drank a huge beer this week, although I didn't do a big cycle ride before okay. it. I just sat on my sofa and drank it. But um, we have right now the um, the Virginia Beer 6th year anniversary uh, Waypost. It's we have Waypost, now, yes. but I, w- I would say not for long. Not for very much longer, but uh, I was uh, lucky enough to try a can of the Mexican chocolate. Yeah. Uh, Waypost extremely extremely good and I was reminded of this because you were talking about how all those flavors balanced out and you Mm. could taste all of them but they were really balanced this is a beer that's aged on cacao nibs vanilla Mm -hmm. and two different kinds of chili peppers and I could taste all of it in there but it was all playing together in symphony Mm. rather than kind of drowning each other out Uh, and you could taste each of the individual things but all of them together as well and there was tiny kick of spice on the end of it so we have a few cans of that left unless i get to them before (laughs) you listen to this podcast um i do recommend the either that or the other three varieties of waypost that we have in here it's so tough to balance stuff like that especially when you're using uh fresh ingredients chili peppers and fruits and things like that because you don't you know, whatever whatever the harvest is you got of cherries, you don't know how strong they are, like how yeah. sweet or how tart. And you got to play that by ear. And 
So to come out with something that's really nicely balanced, uh, I think, is, is a real achievement. Right, and consistent as well, mm. given that you're working with you know, Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Masterfully done. Um, we're not here to talk just about the weeks that we've had, though, or to ask Mac insultingly leading questions. What are we here to do, Daniel Bellamy? I, I'm, I'm here, actually, to ask Mac insultingly leading questions. I was hoping you would have more. And I'm here to answer them. <laughs> Good. What, what so is Mac the agreed. <laughs> uh, I've run out of my pre-prepared questions. Yeah. I'll think of some more uh, okay. that we can come back to <laughs> In the meantime, after we have tried a beer or two yeah. from the menu. So every week on this podcast, we try some beer, either from our taps or from our fridge, and then we talk about it a little bit. Um, there is a very, very good-looking beer on the menu right now, Dan Bellamy. Eight good-looking beers on the menu, but yeah. What is, what is the one that we're going to be trying? Just uh, it's, it's a straightforward name. It's called Yuzu Hazy IPA. Okay. Would you like what, to know what kind of beer it what is? What style of beer is the Yuzu? It's a hazy IPA, IPA uh, with an adjunct. Would you like to know what the adjunct is? Uh, I'm going to guess it's uh, brandy aged so cherries. So close. Uh, it's got Yuzu in it. Yuzu? Yeah. This sounds fantastic. Um, it's from Hino Brewing. That's right, yeah. Which... Not our local Hino. Right. Everybody who has ordered this beer has asked me, oh, from Hino? And I say, yes, but uh, not no. that one. Yeah, no. not that one that's down the line, right? It's literally right across the river from us. Yeah. Right. Hino is very close to, uh, to where we are here in Tachikawa. It's from the other Hino, the one in Shigaken in Kansai. Mm. Anyway, why don't we jump into this beer? Right. Okay, welcome back. Before we start talking about the beer, I just want to talk a little bit about the brewery, Hino Brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we mentioned in Shigaken in Kansai, a little bit further south and west of us. Uh, I wasn't able to dig up that much information about them, but I think um, it is run by uh, a Polish guy, a British guy, and a Japanese guy right. who originally met at a festival. It does and sound so, like the opening to a joke. <laughs> right. Polish guy, British guy, and Japanese guy meet at a festival, yeah. and so they decide to found a brewery. That's the punchline. Hilarious. Um, and they their their ethos is that festivals bring out the best in all of us. They bring us together, and so okay. the the kind of beer they want to make is inspired by festivals mm. around the world. Yeah. So, do you feel this is a, a particularly festive beer? Is there a party going on in your mouth right now, Dan? Always. Yeah. Nonstop. This is an interesting one because this uh, this brewery was recommended to us by uh, a friend of all of ours who was in the bar today, actually visiting us, Dede, um, mm. who is uh, currently working with importer Azo Beer. Um, I met up with him, I don't know, a few months Shout ago. Shout out to the Deeds. Shout out to Mr. Deeds. I met out with him uh, a couple months ago, and I, I don't know how we got on the topic, but I asked him if he had any brewery recommendations that we maybe hadn't ordered from. And uh, he, one of the ones he suggested was Hino. And Hino is, is very specifically named for making killer lagers, Czech yeah. lagers and, uh, and things uh, along those lines. And I believe, I think I read from the description of this when we bought this keg, that this might be the first hazy IPA they've made, which really kind of bucks, tra- not tradition, but like bucks the current direction of the industry and... Uh, what other breweries are trying to go to and, and what's selling for them. So uh, I think that's awesome. Like if they can make it work with uh, with really killer lagers, that's uh, I think that's cool. You know, there, there should be space for breweries doing different things in the industry. 
what do you think of the beer? Uh, I I think that the yuzu comes across much more in the nose than in the flavor. Interestingly, uh, I smell a lot of yuzu up front in the nose. And then when you drink it, uh, it it drinks much more like just a regular hazy. I taste tangerine, I think. The fruitiness comes across a lot sweeter to me uh, when when I drink it than uh, like yuzu has a bit of a bitter bite to it. And uh, so I I don't think it's unfortunate in any way that that you get a bit less of that uh, coming through because it really drinks much more like a hazy IPA than it smells. I think you get the yuzu a lot in the beginning when you smell it. Yeah. And then you drink it and it delivers much more like a typical hazy. I'm interested that you said sweet there because I get a, a little bit of a note of kind of lemon sherbet mm. from this. Maybe there is a bit of sweetness, a bit of tartness, and that citrusy tang yeah. as well in the background as yeah. well. But uh, what, what about you, Max? What do you make of the beer? I completely agree with Dan. There's uh, a lot of usual on the nose. And then, you know, on the palate, I think there's... It's, pro- it's possibly, I mean, you know, less interesting in that sense, right? Like, the, you know, it, it drinks much more. Maybe even on the panel, I wouldn't describe this. Compared to, for example, the hazy IPA that you guys have mm. on tap right now, that you made, the haze craze, I think it's a very different bit of that. You know? mm. It sort of feels a lot lighter as well right. than, you know, and the IBU is a lot lower. Yeah. So it's still great, but, you know, I think we're finding this a lot, right? There's uh, people brew a beer and then you have to put a label on it. Mm. And, you know, so we need to categorize it. Is this a Pilsner? Sure, is this yeah. a Marzen? Right. Is this a Hazy IPA? But there's such a massive gradation even within mm. these styles. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'm getting with this beer, you know? Right. It's somewhere it's, on the fringe of hazy. IPA. Yeah, it's a lot lighter right. than many hazies I've had. It's a lot more fruity and well, sorry, a lot more citrusy, a lot, you know, a lot more fresh than a lot of hazies I've had. Right. So, you know, I, I really, I think this is fantastic. Mm. I, be- I believe that, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, um... I think this is fantastic, but not the sort of classic hazy IPA. I mean, even uh, the color, right, is a little bit more it's translucent mm. than a lot of hazies that you get, which are, you know, murky, opaque. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I, one of the, I believe that one of the hallmarks of Hino stuff is that it's all pretty, pretty low alcohol. I don't think they make really strong. They don't. They don't get into seven, seven and a half, eight and a half territory right. much, if at all. Right. This, this is one four point eight. Four point eight. Yeah, which is pretty. It's quite light, right? I mean, you could even put it into kind of session hazy IPA territory. But for them, I think that's that's hazy IPA territory, right? And personally, I appreciate that. Mm. I like having something that is not going to completely destroy me after drinking three glasses. Yes, of it. absolutely. Um, it's very nice to have. And I think light is the word for this, Mm. right? This is the kind of beer that you could drink outside at a festival and crush four or five glasses of and then carry a Mikoshi around or ride a a pine log down the side of a steep mountain. Or, you know, worldwide festivals, you could chase a cheese cheese. to the bottom of a hill. Or, Mac, you want to make a festival reference here? I feel embarrassed that after visiting 108 countries, I can't follow up <laughs> these, you know, or dance around with uh, the bulls there in, you go. Yeah. Uh, in Spain. Yep. 
you could have two of these and then get in with the bulls. So and still, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll yeah. be all right. You, you, you wouldn't die. Yeah. Yeah, it's an ironclad guarantee. If anybody listens to this podcast, drinks this beer, runs around with the bulls and dies, ironclad, I'll pay out $1,000 to their family. That is a 100% ironclad um, guarantee of liability Verbal contracts. to the fa- families of anybody who happens to drink some of this specific beer. You're right. Yeah, and specifically this batch <laughs> of user hazy percent. You know, we're getting dangerously close to pairings. Anyone who comes now. in tomorrow with a growler and a passport. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm not, we're not going to talk about border policy. Right. This, this is getting very right. dangerously close to, to pairing the beers with uh, activities such as being trampled to death by a bull. Um, so why don't we move on to the next segment? What could it be? In, insert sting here, uh, which is to pair the beers. We're going to roll this wheel of pairings. Uh, of course, we can't pick... Um, Either of the two that we had on the last episode, where we reset the clock. Yeah. Last week, of course, we had... Music and, and location. Okay, so it's not going to be either of those. But I'll roll this dice, and we're going to get one of, uh, I guess, six other options. And pair the beer with that. Number seven, Drinking Companion. Oh. I haven't had this for a while. So, if you were to sit down with anybody from history, living or dead, famous or non-famous... Who would you choose to drink this beer with? Mexican Planet. This beer is light and it's fun and it's flavorful and there is a complexity there. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think of my favorite actor who played the role of the doctor in the classic long-running drama Doctor Who yep. uh, Sylvester McCoy oh really okay that's interesting and so not a lot of Sylvester McCoy fans on the internet so it's good no nobody can insult me for this choice and nobody can understand this choice the perfect zone so uh, yeah I'd love to drink this in the company of the absolute legend why do you think Sylvester very... McCoy was the best Doctor I think for all of us who grew up with Doctor Who uh, since the show was created in 1963, mm. you love the doctor who was there seminally in your upbringing, right? You know, like the, sure. the, whether it's the first doctor or maybe the doctor where you reached, uh, you know, cognizance right. and you really understood what was going on. The doctor who first terrified you behind the sofa. Absolutely. And for me, that was. Uh, basically 1987, mm. the 25th anniversary of... So, yeah, I I first started watching Sylvester McCoy in 1987 when he became the Doctor mm. and he had the 25th anniversary season in 1988 and he's an absolute legend. I think he would complement this beer perfectly. Yeah, uh, and I see that you've sort of physically modelled yourself after him in the intervening uh, 35 years. I've tried my best yeah. to represent... Reach that pinnacle. Yeah, everything that uh, Sylvester McCoy uh, embodies mm. about you know what it's like to be a great human being. Whimsical, informative, but with a hidden dark side. Absolutely. Dan, how about you? Uh, I would choose... Do you know the female singer-songwriter Jill Sobule? No. No? 
No. no. Oh, sorry. Uh, All she... the Doctor Who fans are switching their radios off right now. Yeah, that's good. That's what I was aiming for. Um, she had a couple kind of big hits, I guess, in the 90s in the States. What um, was her biggest single? Uh, she had a big hit called I Kissed a Girl. Um, like, which I kissed Perry a song. girl and uh, I liked it. So I, don't, I haven't actually heard the Katy Perry song. I don't know if it's a cover of the Jill Sobule tune. Uh, I think you're singing if the Katy Perry version. If it's just a different like? song entirely. Okay. Um, but that was kind of her big hit in maybe nine, late 90s? I'm not okay. sure exactly. Right. And, and why are you choosing to drink the beer with uh, this person? Uh, she's cool. She's real cool. Uh, she's a great musician. Um, I went to see her, actually. She opened for Warren Zevon. I was introduced to her through my friend Tom, who was like a big punk rock kid. He was like 6'2", big fucking dude, leather jacket, like somewhat scary in appearance, but a total kind of gentle giant type guy. He loved punk rock music and Jill Sobule, and it was a bit of a weird combination. Anyway, uh, we went to see her in uh, in Akron, open for Warren Zevon. We had no interest in Warren Zevon, uh, unless he was going to play Werewolves of London right at the top, mm. which he did not. Uh, but we got to see Jill Sobule open for him. She was amazing. And then afterwards, she was just out, like, chatting to fans. And I was like, well, we should go talk to her. Like, mm. you love her. And he, my friend, this huge dude was like almost crapping his pants with nervousness like he was shaking literally shaking so i went over to where she was standing kind of like receiving people and uh that people kind of died down and i was like hey like that's my friend over here he loves you but he is like super overcome he's absolutely starstruck and he's freaking out can you like come over and just say hi to him because he won't come over to you i've tried to make she him said, absolutely not and she was like this is this is a problem like this is i got stabbed before so uh no she was cool so uh she was like yeah no problem she came over and uh and it, it was i thought it was going to be all nice and then you know maybe he would warm up and stuff and he absolutely did not and it was the most awkward five minutes of any of our lives where he basically answered her with like one word answer. She was like, "Hey, did you enjoy the show?" And he's like staring at his his boots and going, uh, "Yes." <laughs> anyway, we had kind of like seven super awkward questions. Right. What is it particularly about this experience that you want to revisit? Anyway, the point is, uh, it's not and this the experience. exact connection with the beer. Uh, she's awesome and she's cool. She is also kind of bubbly and effervescent, much like this beer. Uh, she seemed light and fun and, uh, I would like to, I would have liked to chat with her more either with or without my friend Tom, like with him, if he could get over his shit, uh, or without him, if he couldn't, to be fair, but definitely with this beer. Mm. Yeah. Great answer. And it is fantastic answer because I think both of us, we've connected the flavors with some you know, very disparate experience, not something that people would connect. We're on Campai Planet, when I'm reviewing various drinks, I think that's something that people don't realize so much. You know, you really, the excitement, especially on the aroma of something, is taking a, a you know, inhaling the, the notes on the nose mm. and then connecting that with some previous memories. Mm. And I think that's far underrated in beer yeah you know it's something that needs to come from spirits into uh into beer mm. and and make the experience far more exciting than it is connecting the emotions i would say both of those answers were unexpected for me i wasn't expecting to hear either of those okay people. matt so I'm, I'm gonna, what's your answer yeah i'm gonna go for the really obvious one though the one we're all thinking this i'm gonna say it out loud great george orwell okay yeah 
Oh, yes. We were I all mean, thinking you're it. clearly. <laughs> we were all thinking it. Clearly thinking 1984. Um, not for that, actually. More uh, early life George Orwell. Uh, a person full of contradictions. George Orwell isn't even his real name. Eric Arthur Blair, of course. Um, uh, a, a great critic of the, the British state and class system. But he also went to Eton, to Eton College. Um, a big criticizer of empire and the evil that it does to us. But he also served as an imperial policeman in Burma, hmm. where he had to shoot an elephant. So full of curveballs. Very much like this beer, I think. Um, you're not expecting any of the things that, that it throws at you. A hazy IPA? Great. Oh, but it's the first one that we've ever made. I was not expecting that. It's got yuzu in it. Wasn't expecting that either. It's only 4.8%. Right, I wasn't expecting that. So many curveballs, much like George Orwell. Master it's, of the it's, curveball. It's what we were all thinking, yes. It's um, what we were all thinking, but some of us, instead of thinking about you know, the great author and his writing, we're thinking about, you know, the him, doctor. Him shooting an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Great. This has been great. <laughs> great. I think the... I think what we'll tie it all together. I think what Matthew has very eloquently encompassed is basically what we were all thinking, but bringing, you know, our respective experiences to the bit, right? Mm. The, the people who we think throw those curveballs. For me, it's Doctor Who. What an amazing dinner party we have planned here as well. What was the name of your guest? Again? Jill Sobule. Jill Sobule, Sylvester McCoy, George Orwell. Together in a room at last. Let's make it happen. Yeah, that's that's I mean, I mean, If we invite them and tell them that the other two are coming, they'll definitely be there. Yeah, yeah. And, well, we, and we will also be I, I'm, I'm not sure if we're cool enough to be attending this dinner party. Yeah, we, we don't tell them that we are going to be there. No, they they turn up and we're nowhere to be found. No, no, we're there. There's six seats for sure. We well, just don't somebody, tell. Somebody's got to cater to. You know, we're <laughs> just the waitstaff. Right? Yeah. Like, we're to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. At, I'm uh, very impressed that Dan has thought about this. I I went to Warwick University and I was part of the sort of staff student liaison committee, and one of the professors was retiring and so everybody had to give you know the, the, the speeches and everything and you know because of my position on this committee I had to attend and something which I've taken forward for the rest of my life was the fact that he pointed out how you know there was some party planned in 1972 and in order to get everybody there he told everybody else that everybody else was attending mm, you know, which yeah. is what you've hinted at yeah, it's a good power play and that's I've used that you know I was sat there that's my takeaway from when I was 19 years old <laughs> great manipulation exactly and now 24 years later I have used that to my game Sylvester McCoy's on the phone he's like well is George Orwell going to be there is he confirmed like, I'm really not sure and we're like yeah yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so Spoke is... Spoke to his people. Jill Sobule. Yeah. Jill Sobule absolutely confirmed. She's the one that seals the deal. Absolutely. Sylvester McCoy's not coming absolutely. without Jill. She'll be the, the post-dinner performance, yeah. definitely. Excellent pairings this week. Thank you very much for that. Dan, do we have anything coming up in the fridge or on the taps that you think people ought to know about? Uh, you know what? A beer that I really like. So I don't care what anybody thinks about it, but uh, legendary beer, Black Butte Porter. Mm. 
from Deschutes. Mm. Uh, that'll be coming in in cans on Friday. That's a great beer. It's Love just, that beer. Yeah. It's a classic American porter. I think it was first brewed in 1989. So it's been around for a long time. Obviously, some updates to the recipe here and there, but uh, that is a banger. That'll be here on Friday. Um, also, this weekend, we have the Sewer Shrine uh, Summer Festival coming right. up. Jill Sobio playing. Yep. Um, Sylvester McCoy making a guest appearance. I assume the TARDIS will be beaming in to uh, Tachikawa. Um, but whether or not he makes an appearance, definitely recommend you come down to that if you're in the area. We'll be selling beer out front. We'll have cans. We'll have draft me, beer in plastic cups. You've said something that's piqued my interest. Go ahead. Let me stop you from finishing this Go podcast. Ahead. Do you think that the Star Trek transporter could transport the TARDIS? Hmm. I don't see why not. It's an extremely complicated, the TARDIS. It's a, it's a time machine. Like, Is it more complicated than the human body? I th- believe so, yes. By I a massive so. margin. Now, whether it could or not, I don't think the early Star Trek original series transporter could do it. Mm. Maybe by the time we get to the, you know, the new timeline discovery, the, the whatever, 27th century, right. it's possible. But Early on, yeah, probably you, not. No way. What do you think is the highest level of appliance that early transporters could deal with? Probably, I mean, the human body is pretty complex, right? I mean, right. if you have something electronic, a machine, you like could probably toaster do it. Like a toaster Yeah, but something with blood flow and whatnot. You know how the transporter works, right? It, um, it creates a copy of the thing that stood yeah. on the transporter uh, panel. It's just like the prestige. And it, and it destroys the original. <laughs> right. right, so, so every prestige, time, basically. Yeah, yeah, well, except they don't drop Kirk into a, a bath, right? right? Drown, and, him. drown him. <laughs> but yeah, every time he goes down to a planet to uh, make out with some green alien chick, he doesn't do that, right? That's, that's the, a, the copy. Yeah, wakes that's up a great get out of jail free card, and, isn't it? And hey, he, it wasn't he me. dies <laughs> <laughs> every time he transports himself. That was the Kirk that got beamed down there. Uh, anyway, check out the festival. It's this weekend. Yeah, right. You should definitely yeah. attend that. Sure, shrine, absolutely beautiful. Drink mm-hmm. enough beer, and you too might be able to have philosophical questions such as this one. Um, I feel that transporting a transporter would be a bit like putting a bag of holding inside another bag of holding, and we all know what happens if you do that. Mac, if people want to know more about your channel, your channels, where should they go to find out? Sure, stuff? thank you very much. So. I have two projects. One is my bespoke Japan tour company, which is Maxion Planet. So that's at Maxion Planet across basically every social media platform. Check it out on LinkedIn. Thank you very much. And then I also have a Japan drinks focused platform with not enough beer content. And I'm going to fix that because to be honest, I'm sick of traveling to Tashikawa to be giving shit about it. Podcast promises. You know what they say? They are useless. <laughs> they have no value in society. And that's Canpai Planet. So anybody listening who subscribes and supports that, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And you're in good company because last week I guided the offspring. Mm. And on Monday I shot a video with the world's biggest YouTuber, PewDiePie. So mm. you're not alone. When you guided the offspring, did you have to keep them separated? I see what you did there. They are original pranksters. Mm. Okay. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. 
If uh, you are injured during the running of the Bulls in Pamplona, then uh, please get in touch with uh, Mac Planet. at yeah. Kampai Planet. Um, he has given a 100% cast iron uh, legal guarantee that he will cover all of your medical costs. Thank you for listening, and we will see you again next time. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Kampai.